everyone listening to Round Guys Radio Network. Real quick, why don't you sign up for our newsletter? Whenever we have a new episode, we have a newsletter release. The only time we push one out, go over to roundguysbrewery.com slash RGR. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Original Slacker Podcast, Music Mash Ton. Today I have Jason Ager, I'm your host Bill McGinney, and we're going to be talking about some good music down here that we actually just had here at the Underground not too long ago. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well, Bill. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming down, man. Please, coming up, man. I came all the way up then to come down. Yeah, you you told me you're coming from Pittman, New Jersey. (laughs) I really appreciate you coming all the way out. Yeah, man, of course. It wasn't too long ago I went down your way for a show. Oh, is that right? What's on tap, which is a beer related oh, radio yeah. show. I have seen that 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 around. Yeah. yeah. That that or at least on the, the social media sites I've seen people because I, I, I tend to spend a lot of time in breweries. Yeah. Not because I just love beer, but I do love beer, but <laughs> but also because it seems to be to, in my opinion, one of the better places these days to play mu- live music, in yeah. my opinion. You know? uh, well, well, look where you're at. Exactly. Right? You know exactly. what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of what brought me here, you know. It's always good. So I understand that drive and I really appreciate you coming out this yeah, way. Man, I'm glad what are you to. playing at these days, man? Everywhere, you know, um, anywhere they'll let me, you know, that's kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, like I said, I do a lot of uh, breweries. I play a lot of, you know, um, a lot of spots, uh, you know, across the, the state of Pennsylvania, or Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and state of New Jersey, where they let me, <laughs> Delaware. I was just, actually, last, yesterday we were in Dilworth Park yeah. um, in Center City. We played for Live Nation. They had an All-American cookout. Um, today I'm headed down to a winery in Chad's Ford, PA. Right. So I'm 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 wherever I can be, and you know, and I I'll go up you know up to Boston, Maine, go all the way down to South Carolina, out to Cleveland, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, strikes my. They fancy. call you up and you go out there. I don't know about that. Yeah. It's more like oh, I feel like I gotta go visit my cousin who lives in you know my nephew actually who lives in Cleveland. Let me see if I can line a few shows up on the way and back. You know, so it's like. Right. It, it it you know traveling you know is like a reason to play some more shows and and it's and vice versa you know like you know playing a few shows is a reason to travel so like you know I get to you know travel a little bit mostly just you know, like East Coast Mid Atlantic kind of stuff but how would you describe your sound? It comes from a, a I think a core of like blues soul music like right it comes from that kind of basic concept of of how music is structured like you know I'm, I, I like to deal with a lot of you know, one, four, five patterns in terms of chord structures and then playing with that, you know, so, you know, bringing in some influences that are, you right. know, more, more, you know, rock heavy or a little bit of gospel. And uh, recently I do a lot of like folkier kind of things, um, um, a little bit of country mixed in. So it's, it's kind of like, it feels just, all over the place. It's just, you right. know, as best I can describe it's American. Right. Americana like it's American. at its best. Right? Yeah. But I, see, I don't fall into but, the Americana right. things. I don't sound alt country enough or whatever it is, but you know, it's, it's tricky. I, I released, different stuff like when i put music out i try to see them as like different projects right right so the most recent thing i released was a a four song ep called the bad guy ep and it was like a set four songs all revolving around kind of a similar notion of what what it means to be like a domestic bad guy like to be a bad guy in my own house anyways you know um so that that record had a very like nashville kind of sound like like a lot of sheen on it it's got ken barnum at Bias Studios, if you're listening, Ken, man, you the man. Um, uh, he kind of has a, a real great sound of producing stuff. The thing I did right before that, though, was was with a hip-hop producer in Philly named mm. Jason Bachman, who goes on the name of uh, Johann Sebastian. Okay. That's like his handle or whatever for <laughs> hip-hoppers. I don't know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but so that was like a, a politically tinged uh, kind of like 
hip hop production feel. And we're work, we're working on a second single right. follow up, like political song. Um, so I do a little bit of everything, man. Right, I'm doing right. like protest songs that have like a hip hop feel to a, an Americana slash folk record that I'm working on. What keeps you going in all these different spaces? I, you know, I don't know. It, it's a it's a lot a, of times I'll, I'll see musicians and they'll they'll be hyper focused in one area and they just love playing a certain type of music and that's yeah. what they just want to do. To me, it, I I have you know um, sometimes a difficulty on focusing yeah. on specific things, you know. Um, I think perhaps we overdiagnose things like ADHD in the world, but in my case, it might be warranted, right? Because I have, I just have like a million pokers in the fire, like intellectually, like Life I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm thinking about tons of stuff. It takes me like months to write a song because I'll write like three words and I'm like, oh, I'll come back to that, and like I never get back to it, you know. So, well, I mean, I guess what keeps me doing it, it's tricky to say. Like, if I didn't have lots of different areas, I probably would get bored. Back to the lyrics, you right? They're really yeah. thoughtful lyrics. Yeah, Where's well, part of the reason that, that you know it takes me yeah. three months, right? Because I'm like, I pour over every line, right? And I, I mean, spend it, time like crafting that, and it's taken me time to learn that that skill too. Like I'm no spring chicken, you know, right. but but um, songs don't pour out for me. Okay, you know? yeah. On a rare occasion, they will, but it's it's rare. I mean, I was impressed in, in Google Truth, Google John, yeah, Google John, Google John. <laughs> you tell Google the truth, right? It's just what everyone does. Everyone yeah. goes and see anything, you know. Like, right, oh my yeah. God, what is that mole? Yeah. I'm going to Google the shit out of this. And you go and you Google yeah. it. And it you find out you have skin cancer. First five yeah. things, you're like, you're going to die with Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of my, my way of like, so, okay, a, a, couple, a friend of mine has pointed out to me recently that my songs, my la- like maybe the last 10 years or so, probably since I've gotten married, you know what I mean? I can't write about other women anymore. It doesn't work out very well yeah. in my domestic situation. I want to keep my domicile, you know what I mean? <laughs> if I started writing songs about, you know, Jenny and, you know, whoever else, I don't think my wife would be too happy about it. So you got to find something to write about. And, um, you know, I my buddy, and he's, he's a good writer himself, and he's like, you know, you, your, your songs have social criticism, like, baked into... Like satire, so like that, like that song you, that you're referencing, like it, it's really, um, it's me picking on us as a society that that we rely so heavily upon this one place where we tell the truth because we do, and and this isn't even my idea. I, there was a there's a Freakonomics podcast. I know you're a podcast. You probably yep. Yep. know that podcast and enjoy it. It's awesome. Yeah. I was listening about a year and a half ago, and and they had a guest on who wrote a book about about kind of like the the level of truth in our society and the places where we tell the truth and his findings were really connected with Google because it was a search engine if you lied to Google you'd never find the things that you want so um uh I was like that's like a beautiful that's a beautiful concept right and 
I was like, oh, it's a, that's a nice piece of low-hanging fruit. So I wrote a song about it. Like, yeah. you know, so I'll get it wherever, man. You know, wherever I can find it, you know, um, inspiration. And, like, and, and, you know, I read a lot. I try to read a lot anyways, you know. And, um, you know, I have a back, background in, in literature and German literature. That's so, what I was going to ask you. So you're yeah. a professor, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm an adjunct professor currently. I teach at LaSalle University in Philadelphia. Education. I yeah. do, but I, I have a hard time these days. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're at LaSalle or if you're at another local private college or if you're at a state institution. It's all too much money right, I for, think our, for our students. Yep. And, and that level of debt is going gonna, is gonna to burden these people unfairly mm-hmm. for the next 30 years. 30 years we're talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a mortgage, right. you know. It's a house. So, yeah. So, I mean, so that, I mean long story short, that's, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of my writing comes from just like being in the classroom. Like I write songs about my students, right? And about how connected they are, like you know, technologically. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I find myself writing a lot about like I have certain themes in my music, right? Like about time, mm-hmm. like setting clocks back, kind of thing. It pops up. I write those same lyrics or, or similar types of lyrics a lot. I talk about technology a lot in my in my lyrics, um, and and I I know this sounds very just kind of basic, right? But I talk about like. The, the the kind of minutia of like interpersonal interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships like the last song that I played for you guys this morning was like I don't have a title for it yet but it's like you know it's me dealing with the fact that that my wife occasionally is you know she's like you know you don't say I love you that much you know like and it's just I just wasn't I don't know I, I didn't I didn't grow up doing that it wasn't yeah. the same it's not the same for me so like you know what does that mean like and I, and of course then I like I spend time and I tease it out. And I met this guy up in New York recently playing a show, um, and he's like, you know, that's cool. Or I guess maybe it was D.C., but um, he was like, yeah, every song's a thesis. And I was like, that's brilliant. You know, for a college professor who yeah. writes songs, you're, you're right, man. Every song's a thesis. That's, that's my new, that's my new like, moniker. Mm-hmm. Every song is a thesis. So for me, like, for it to be a sound thesis, you've got to have evidence. You've got to have, you gotta have a, a, an angle you're trying to get to. You, you have to have an argument. And I don't mean like a, you know, I, I want to affront someone with something, uh, but yep. I have to have a point I'm trying to get across. And, so, and, and that's the problem I have. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm being too, lo- too long-winded about it, but, but uh, that's the problem I have with some, you know, some obscure music. You know, I, I don't want to say obscure music, but it's, you know, it could be a huge you know, artist that have obscure lyrics. And I'm just like, I, it, it clearly means something to them. But, you know, I, it doesn't, doesn't translate, doesn't translate yeah. as well. So I, you know, I, you know, I spend a lot of time pouring over lyrics, and I also really spend a lot of time making sure that my concepts are accessible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could get really weird and arcane and obscure and totally cryptic on you, but who's that serving, me or you? You know what I mean? Right. And as, as a conversation, as we were talking before we even got on the air, you know, it, conversation for me is a place to be candid, to open up. Right to be as as you know soul bearing as possible. Right, you know what I mean. I don't want to be confusing to you. I want I want you to know what I'm trying to get at. You know, and some artists like you know I'm, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, but I don't understand 99% of what he's saying. Right, but he does it with such conviction that it doesn't even matter. I I don't have necessarily that conviction part, but I have I think I have the I can communicate an idea to you. You know what I mean? And maybe that's the, the the teacher in me coming out. I don't know, man. But yeah, so I come from all different angles, all different things. Try to wrap it all into one. 
you know? And then I try to be witty, you know? I try to, and, and, and that's a tough thing. It's a fine line <laughs> to walk. You try to be funny, you might not be, you know? So I just try to focus on wit, you know? Like, is it, is it intelligent? Does it, does it challenge me intellectually as a writer? I don't know. Maybe all that means nothing. Maybe it's all just spontaneous. I don't know, Bill. <laughs> So I got, I, my mom was insistent that I play the piano as a young kid. I started playing piano around second grade, mm -hmm. eight, eight years old. I took piano lessons for 10 years, so I, I still tinker a little bit. You know? right. um, I never really got a level of proficiency that I would consider myself an excellent player. I was, you know, moderate at best. Um, but I got a guitar when I was 14. And my dad was the one who pushed the guitar. He's he's kind of into country. He likes you know Hank Williams and mm -hmm. CCR, and you know he's yeah. he's eighty eight years old. And his uncle actually was Dick Thomas. Um, he's a he's the guy that wrote the song Sioux City Sioux, um, which is a kind of a used to be a country standard. Mm -hmm. Willie Nelson recorded right. it. Merle Haggard's done it. You know um, Chris Christopherson, I think may have done it. I mean so, Gene Autry did it. In a film, like so, it's it was a very com you know common popular song, and that was my great uncle. So my dad was really from that like country, you know, roots kind of music background, like you know, you know, hillbilly swing, mm -hmm. those kind of those kind of things. Songs from the '30s and '40s. I mean, he's 88, so he was born in '31. He kind of gave me a lot of that like that like vaudevillian sense. Like songs need to be entertaining as well as like. As well as you know, musically stimulating. They need to be like entertaining, and funny, and witty, and, and I still carry that through a lot of you know, listen like Hoagy Carmichael and those kind of songs from the '40s. Like that kind of stuff always stuck with me. But in high school, they gave me a tuba to play, so I was like, okay, I'll just play tuba. So I played tuba for like eight years in jazz band, you know, and did okay with it. And then really started pursuing my own stuff though when I was probably about like 18, 19. Started writing my own music. The way the German comes into it, I don't. It, they didn't have Italian in my high school. And my grandparents were, you know, they were immigrants, Italian immigrants, and uh, you know, we'd say a few words in yeah. Italian to each other in passing. My dad's family was the German side. They didn't have Italian in my high school, so I took German. It was like I didn't want to take French. I didn't want to take Spanish. Yeah. No offense to those people who took Spanish or French. I just didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. Right. I want to do something a little different. There was right. one section of German. You know what I mean? There was four sections of Spanish. Yeah. Three sections of French. It just felt more to me, uh, more akin to who I was. You know, I had some kind of familial connection, and then I just just from that, you know, I took high school German, 
professor at LaSalle said, hey, I heard you took German in high school. Come see me, right? So I was there <laughs> working on campus over the summer. And he's like, hey, have you ever heard of the Fulbright? The Fulbright Fellowship. And I was wow. like, no, I've never heard of the Fulbright. He's like, oh, okay, well, I got this idea that you might want to think about. There's this really cool novel. You might want to think about writing something about it. And we, you know, we can work together. So I worked together with Professor Vincent Kling, who's still mm-hmm. teaching at LaSalle right now. You know, <laughs> one of the best instructors that the university has. He's a yeah. treasure. He's a gem. And um, David Law lives over there. Yeah, he it's, groomed me. He groomed yeah. me for uh, for the Fulbright. Luckily, right. I won. And I, uh, wow. I was able to go. I lived in Austria. Oh, that's great. For a year and a half, and that's really, really when I went to Austria it was when I started to appreciate music in a different level. Okay, like I was, tra- I had that, I had the musical background, but I met this guy his named Ron Kemsey. He's, he's a, become a, a dear, dear friend, um, but he had like this understanding of music that I that I still don't have. And what are you like? 19? I was like 22, twenty two, yeah. right? Now. So I just finished on my undergrad. Okay. Went to went to Vienna, Austria, to live for a year and study at the University of Vienna. You know, I was studying German for the most part, German literature, you know, whatever I wanted to study. I mm-hmm. didn't have to have any specific thing. I had to have a project that I worked on, but I got to know this guy who was like an accomplished musician. And he's, he does stuff about it. He, he does English as a second language acquisition kind of stuff these days. But he had this knowledge about like music and he could explain to me like how this one particular chord, a major chord has like this happy feeling where if you went to like a diminished chord, now you have this feeling of like, ooh, I'm staring out over the ocean. Yeah. And he could connect all these emotions to these different sounds. And I was, I was just floored. I still remember the conversation. And it blew me away. I made, him, I made him repeat the conversation with me like multiple times because it was so different, my way of thinking about music. Like he opened my world up. So when I came back from Vienna, probably like 2005 or six, then I started taking it really seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really want to take my music more seriously. I released my first record in 2010, and ever since then, I just I've I've kind of set myself a goal of like I'm following I'm following just like I followed the German thing. I went and did my PhD right. in German, followed that to its logical conclusion. I'm following the music route to its logical conclusion. For me, that conclusion is when I'm when I no longer am amused, when I, when I no longer enjoy doing things like this, chatting with you about music, when I no longer like playing shows. When I no longer feel inspired by the things I'm writing or, or recording in the studio, that's, then I know I've reached the end of what. Gotcha. And for me, you know, that's the beautiful thing about music, yeah. man. Even if you got a full-time gig, even if you got a million other things going on, if you're playing for your kids at home, you're playing for the, na- the neighbor, you're playing for yourself, you know, music, music's there. It's beautiful. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't leave you, you know what I mean? It's there with you. So for me, I don't, I don't foresee an end to it, you know? And I, just, I feel like I'm ratcheting up. Like, I, you know, and... You know, I'm I, like I said before, before we even started, like I'm very open and candid mm-hmm. about things. You know, I, am I where I want to be success wise? I mean, who is right? Mm-hmm. You know, but musically, no, I would like to you know to reach next levels. You know, be always climbing that that ladder, always challenging yourself. Right, exactly. But I mean, all in terms of success too. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like I'm getting to the point in my writing and my recording that I'm really happy with. I'm like, I really think I've got some great songs. You know, I don't mean to sound. I hope that doesn't sound boastful. I really don't. Um, that's the last thing I am. <laughs> it's a, the the songs are really well structured. They're yeah. well rounded. I'm pleased with them. They're I would say, as from a, a objective standard, right? The songs are full bodied songs. Thanks, they're man. well built. Right? I appreciate that. Um, I personally enjoy the songs, but they're also changed. They're all different. They're all yeah. different approaches. So that that's what I want to ask you more on is when you go to record. Are how many instruments are you yourself playing? So yeah, I mean. Uh, I used to be the kind of guy 
and this is when I first started doing it, it's probably the capriciousness of youth, right? You know, where I thought oh, I can do, I can play piano on this record. I can, I can play the guitar on it. Right. I can sing. I can do the cajon. I can do these auxiliary percussion parts. I can do a lot of that, right? Yeah. And it just dragged the process out because I can't sit down in one take, Bill, and blast it out on the on the piano. I have to gotta sit there for like hours and be like, okay, this is what I want to play here. Yeah. And I, and I still do it on occasion. Um, like the most recent record I did, I, ha- I hired a keyboard guy, and he was the, the most fantastic keyboardist, Dre King. You are the man. Um, uh, but the way he played this one song wasn't what I was hearing in my head because no one can play as like, oddly as like, I play. Drake, get off there. I got this. No, no. I, <laughs> he actually played a, a better part. And, and the producer's like, he's like, I don't think we wanted this polished. He's like, I think we wanted we wanted to sound jangly, like we wanted to sound like you played it because you're not a piano player, like you had this like lilting, weird kind right. of way to play it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it, but it took me like a couple hours at the piano. Yeah. Where Dre sat down and did like two passes and it was done. Right. And I was like that. So, so on the record, if it doesn't involve tuba or like acoustic guitar <laughs> or my vocals, I'm pretty much not doing it anymore. I'll do it. Occasionally, if we don't have anybody else in the studio, I'm in there doing the. You know the hand claps. I'm there. I'm doing those. Um, Take thirty five. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like I'm doing that stuff. You know, and I and I'll still do like um, you know lead guitar stuff. You know, uh, but I don't I don't I don't put a ton of like I'm like Tom. I don't want to be like uh, you know insinuate that I'm at any level anywhere near the songwriter and or performer that Tom Petty is. But I mean to say that in his songs you don't hear a lot of guitar solos. Right. His songs aren't like full of like guitar solos. My feeling is like if you come see me live, that's where I'm gonna rip it up on the stage and show you what I can do, you know, in a live setting. On the record, you know, I I prefer to let I'm a big fan of, of keyboard, man. I, mm-hmm. I love piano players. So like a lot of my records recently have killer keyboard stuff on them. But I let other people handle that now. I've I've come to like acknowledge my strengths and weaknesses you know like like ben harper says in that one song he's like where where i'm where i'm strong is to know what makes me weak you know so i know when i go in the studio now unless it's those specific things that i'm gonna kind of give it to other people and i've also kind of learned the like the humbling or the humility of saying i don't know how this song sounds best you probably know better Mm -hmm. than me how this song i'm too close to it right you know it's like a monet you got to step back from it you know, and again, I don't mean to say my songs are that beautiful or anything like that, but but what what I do mean to say is like you, when you're so close to something, you see the the minutia, you don't get to see the big picture. All right. So for me, it's been like it's been a learning curve. Like, how do I let go? You know what I mean? How do I like? Because as a songwriter, I think a lot of songwriters probably feel this way, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. I don't want to speak for them. But what I will say is, for me, the songs feel like my babies. You know, I love them in a way that no one else is ever gonna love mm-hmm. them. So when I like give them to someone, like here, do something with it. It's very. It's, it's been a long process yeah. coming. Like before, I wanted to be in the studio, right. the entire time. Like I wanted to hear how this was getting put together. I wanted to be there. Now it's like if if the the producer wants to farm out some work to somebody they know in Tennessee or whatever, go ahead. I, I I'm learning that that level of humility to say that I don't know what's best. You know what I mean? It's like. It's it's a weird thing, man, to like acknowledge the fact that you need help. You know what I mean? I know, like, especially like in our society, we want to, you know, be the strong mm-hmm. individuals, whatever. I, I'm learning through 
multiple rounds of, you know, stumbling, you know, like through, through <laughs> humbling experiences, right? Being humiliated in different ways. Maybe, maybe other people wouldn't perceive it as such, but I, you know, I sometimes see it. Oh, that I way. understand what you're you saying. You know what I'm saying? I, that's how I learn everything. It's yeah. You have to drag your knees through the sand first and then after right. that, you figure it out. Yeah, you figure exactly. Figure out how to run, you know? So yeah, that's, that's what I'm, and, and I'm stubborn, so it just takes me a long time to learn it. Right. You know, and I'm, you know I, I think finally on the last few things I've been putting together, that I finally learned that I don't need to be, I don't, I don't need to have a death grip right. on the song. You know what I mean? I need to kind of let it breathe and let people breathe life into it too. Like that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is like. You have to have that trust. You got to have the trust, yeah. man. And, and, you know. When you're climbing, it's called like you trust the equipment. Yeah. Once you trust the equipment, you know you're not going to fly to your death, yeah, right? Right. But you also have to trust yeah. yourself and say that this song is not the last song I'm going to write. Right. You know what I mean? It's, or knock on wood, I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, but like, you know, you have to kind of say that, like, you take your chances with it. You do it a certain way. You like it. Great. If it doesn't work out, well, then you can always re- write something different. Mm-hmm. You can always re-record it in a different way, you know? Like, it's not the end of the world if, if someone puts a spin on it that you don't necessarily love, 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 you know? Well, the thing about music is it's communication. Yeah. It's communication, and people have a different take on how that communication is going to be interpreted. So you may write something that you absolutely despise, you think it's garbage, and for whatever reason it gets out there and it lights up because yeah. people love it because it talks know. to them, right? So that's, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Hey, let's take a quick break and see what's going on at the Underground this week. On August 5th, on Monday, we have yoga making its return. On Tuesday, August 6th, we have a board game night. Run of the Mill, this is uh, one of our partnerships with the Lansdale Public Library. Jazz on August 7th, which is going to be down here on Wednesday. And Open Mic, another great night of Open Mic down here. They've been really fun nights. It's been a blast, and that's on a Thursday, August 8th. Followed by a fun, fun hard rock night uh, with some great punk bands and just having a lot. These guys are great. Uh, We have a four-show set on Friday, August 9th, featuring... Proper Dark, Black Friday, Death Count, been on this podcast. Victor Traps, been on this podcast. And Nervous Wash, followed up by the drag show on Saturday, August 10th. And then we top it all off with a hell of a show with Amora, Cole Climb, Andros on Sunday, August 11th. Definitely check it out. Let's get back to the show. No, correct me if I'm wrong. You're a father? I am. Yeah, I got two kids. I got a daughter and a son. So how's that affected your music? <laughs> your music ambitions, I guess. As, how's that affected how you look at building your actual songs? So, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, my, my son's getting to be the age. He's going to be seven soon. Um, and uh, he's getting to the age where he's very, you know, kind of quizzical. Yeah. You know, or... Or he's kind of he wants to know about things, and like for example, just, just what, I mean, I, I can only give you anecdotal experience stuff. You know, um, it's changed my way of seeing the world having him around. You know what I mean? And like where I place my worry. You know what I mean? Like where right. like the things right. I used to worry about, and I still worry about those things. You know, like my mortality and and my legacy and stuff. But you know, it 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 when he starts worrying about stuff, it's like you got to check your own impulses and deal with that first. You know, you, you put them first, right? So, like, in my songwriting, like, I, I, I wrote a song recently that's it's called A Father's Fear. 
mm-hmm. and it's about my son having like this one night he had like a a moment where he was like I'm scared of dying and so I wrote this whole song about it and to be honest Bill I think it might be the best thing I've written in a long time wow like it's a fantastic song yeah. it's, it's very somber and sobering so I didn't play it today for you but <laughs> but um you know it's it's, it's how you close out the, the wineries <laughs> yeah it's, it's you know the tearjerker I don't know who said it man <laughs> I, it might be Neil Young it might be Billy Joel one of the great songwriters of our time yeah you know, they said always make them laugh try to make them cry so I, I I hold on to that, right? So I write mostly songs that are witty and whimsical and fun. But I have these songs that I, I'm trying to, to get you. You know, I'm trying to get you to identify emotionally with me. So he's helped me with that. You know, he's very... I think there's some good points there. You think of the great singer-songwriters around this region. Yeah. I know he's been down here at least once coming back. Uh, Jeffrey Gaines, when you go to his yeah, show, yeah. it's not just about the music. It's about the interplay he has with the audience. Right. And the jokes he'll have with the audience. Exactly. Entertainer. So it's a full experience. Exactly. It's not just about the music, but he grows that experience yeah. by having the little interludes I mean, when he's tuning. Oh, I'll we'll have some conversations. We'll yeah. tell a story. We'll, yeah. we'll have jokes. Well, everyone's going to be laughing. Everyone's yeah. going to be having a good time. So I, I live for those moments. Like, yeah. I, I pride myself on having, uh, you know, and I hope it doesn't come you know, out as haughty, but I, I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with the audience. Partly because I'm a I'm a teacher, right? So like I know yeah. I know how to talk to an audience, you know. I um, not little, to, not little older my, little older say, audience, exactly. Yeah, not to say my <laughs> not to say my students or my audience, but like you know, you have that ability to dress a group a, yeah. a group of people. So that that comes across, and and my like I said, my son helps me with that stuff too, because the way he sees the world is totally different than I do, you know. And I spend a lot of time with him, so it's you know, I'm home a lot with him, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the teaching gig is during the year, and yeah. You know, the summertime, you know, I'm, I'm full-time daddy daycare, you know, and I'm, I love it to an extent. You know, it's, now, it's does he come around with you when you do shows? He will. Like, yeah. like my wife will bring him out occasionally. Usually it's for, like, more, like, you know, uh, environments where it's not, like, a beautiful listening room like, like the underground is, which is my favorite type of place to play. He's a little bit young for that, you know. Yeah. His, his focus is very short, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes at best. But, um... Yeah, so and my, you're talking my, like festivals and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's yeah. outdoor stuff. My yeah. wife will bring him to you know playing at a winery out, so yeah. outside. She'll bring him. He'll play in the yard while you know, I'm doing songs. You know, and right. I'm doing a lot of cover songs. <laughs> then I'm not doing my own songs, but it's funny. I, he's the first person that I play my new, like fledgling mixes to. Like in the kitchen, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll you know someone will send me a mix the night before. Like on my email, I'll put it on like the speaker, and I'll be like, "What do you think, Liam?" You know, what do you think of this song? And he's like, he'll tell me yeah or nay. <laughs> he tells me yes or no. Yeah. And like sometimes, like it hurts, man. When he tells me he doesn't like something, I'm like, ooh. But it's funny the things he doesn't he's, like. He's it, telling it, you the truth. Though. He's telling the truth yeah. exactly. You know, as I evolve the song, he'll start to fall in love. I hear him singing my songs around the house. It's like, man, it's the coolest thing. And like, <laughs> my daughter, she's a little bit young for that now. She just turned two. But I used her in the most recent like photo op that I did with for like a, for an album. All right. I, we don't put pictures of our kids on the internet and stuff. We kind of try to protect their. Yeah, you kind of want to protect their it. person. You got it. You got but, it. But but so we have this picture of her from like from behind with these pigtails and me right. stealing candy from her. Hence, <laughs> hence being the bad guy. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I dressed in the it's top hat with a big household you know, terrorist. You are. Yeah, exactly. Yes. With the big handlebar yeah. mustache. And you know it was it was a cool photo shoot. So like, my kids are a very a very sincere and real part of my life. I don't I don't want to be that artist who like you know nothing about their their personal life. Right. You know what I mean? Like I I couldn't tell you much about some of my favorite artists' life. I mean you can look it up, but I don't know how much of that translates when they're like you know on Saturday Night Live stage you know telling the stories. 
me, man, I would be very comfortable and I would achieve the level of success that I find to be paramount if I could be selling out 100 person rooms 100 nights a year. Right. That's my goal. You know, that's do, the goal do you that find I have for myself. Having a little transparency to openness about your family works well with the audience. It's tricky. You know, like I see a lot of artists who like who, who can post stuff on the internet. My wife and I have decided to, to not because she her job is kind of one that's public in a certain way. Yep. And we just don't really want people to have a lot of access to our children. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when you're in a live setting, when you're yeah. dealing with an audience, I'm sure. Yeah, that's so in a live setting, when they're there, it's cool, you know? Yeah. But, like, I see friends who, like, post stuff on the internet about their kids, you know, musical friends, and they get a lot of traction with that. And, like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could exploit that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think enough of it comes out in the, the stories I tell on stage about my family, about my wife, you know, like, I... I believe, and I've said it a couple times today, I believe in that. I believe in candidness, man. I believe in candor. I believe in honesty at the sake of face. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to, to forsake, you know, your own self-image in order to tell the truth, man, and, and to talk about what is true. You know, especially in today's day and age, man, it's so hard to be, to be certain about anything, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? When 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 our when our when our you know media is being undercut, you know, and I'm not. This is not a political thing. This is a societal thing, ladies and gentlemen. You know, our our truth is at stake. You know what I mean? Yeah. What we believe, and and the more that we become tribal, the more that we. Well, if, you know, if anything, I think in uh, the past two years, truth has definitely morphed into yeah. something that's. You don't really know who's telling the truth. Right, anymore. exactly. Right. And so, a lot of it is because people get frustrated, they get irritated, maybe mm-hmm. they feel personally attacked. They retreat so to they, their own side. They retreat their own side. Echo and chambers. They, they yeah. don't want to and when you have the emotions seep in, right? And it's it kinda goes along with what we're saying about songwriting and trying to pull in people's emotions. Mm-hmm. People kinda close down. Yeah. And they right. just want to believe they once you put emotion in anything, they don't want to believe something else. They just want to believe yeah. what they have an emotional attachment to, yeah. or what they have a disdain for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get entrenched, right, in their positions, and and, and it becomes intractable. Yeah, you can't get out of it. Yeah. You know, so I, I believe in telling the truth and being honest, and that's, and and my kids help me do that. Well, you it know. goes back to when you're talking about the songs, always trying to make people smile. Yeah, and yeah, bring make, in, them, make them laugh, tell them something entertainment. True. The best way to tell the truth is through humor. I, you know, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah for me, it's satire, you yeah. know? Like, so I, 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 I like to exaggerate stuff, you know what I mean? Like, like you, that, that Google song we're talking about, like the Google John. You know, I, I take that notion of that we lie to Google to the, the thing that we lie everywhere, and we, and we do. You know, so you true. Know? And it's so the, the song, the lyrics are, are so dead on to, <laughs> to truth. I mean, to what people right. do. Who hasn't done something where you won't tell anyone else about what you're thinking because you think, oh, this is too embarrassing. They're, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm crazy. Even though but, every other human being has the exact go same and, You go and search <laughs> up on Google, man. Yeah. <laughs> Part of that whole conversation, too, was interesting on that the the um, the Freakonomics podcast. Uh, I, and I always apologize. I always forget the author's name. But his book was really fantastic and, and interesting. He was talking, you know, kind of pitching his own, you know, they, they bring him on there to advertise their, their work. Right. Um, but he was saying, like, he did all this research and found out that, like, that we tell the truth, especially when we're being, when society tells us that this is taboo. Like, f- like for example, in, like, the Bible Belt, you know, like, down in West Virginia and Tennessee and these areas, you'll find that the rate of searching for, like, homosexual pornography is mm-hmm. far higher on Google than mm-hmm. it is in, like, the Northeast. 
And it's not because there are more yeah. homosexuals in that particular area. It's just that you can't talk in the street about your 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 sexual you know predilections right. um, as openly. So yeah, where yeah, do you yeah. go? You go onto That's into good. the trusted right. you know sanctum of of the Google search bar. And you type that thing in there because it's the only place you can talk about it. In my song, it's like you can't. We don't tell the truth anywhere but one place. You know? Now, obviously, that's 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 an exaggeration. But what is satire other than it's the truth? Exaggeration, yeah. though. You yeah. do it through exaggeration. I'm, you know, I'm currently rereading um, uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, uh, the, the great novel. Uh. Read it in high school. I'm rereading it now. Right? <laughs> really? Uh, how how do you feel about that novel? I, it's a tricky one, right? Because That's sometimes the first—I feel like the first half of it was genius, and the second half was mailing it in. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of like it, it gets very capacious. You know what I mean? Like where it's just—it's so heady <laughs> at the end. Yeah, you're right. But the the thing I think the end part is it, it's hard for us to read because it gets very self-critical. Like it, it starts to criticize both both ends of that spectrum. Right. Right. Both sides of that coin are problematic. Right. Well, a society that is that is so, you know, scheduled and predicted. To a better point, I think I just got done reading uh, Fahrenheit 451. Oh, there you go. That to me was a perfect description of kind of the world we live in, where people yeah. don't want to hear stuff, they don't want to believe something, they only want to believe what mm-hmm. a makes them feel good or reinforces their own personal beliefs. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what happens? You know, and, right. and it is is a really dark satire. Yeah, it certainly is. I cringe sometimes. I'm like, oh wait, what do I? What do I actually believe here? Do I yeah. believe the society would be better if we planned it out and made sure that everyone was happy? Or do I believe that inherently we need to suffer in order to see beauty? And that, as an artist, man, is problematic. And, and I struggle with that because a lot of my friends, you know, and I, I don't mean to throw shade on any of them or to criticize. Just drop them, the bombs. Come they, on, Jason, just drop the bombs. They, well, they, they write a lot of songs that are, that are, that are downtrodden. Yeah. And they're like you you go and hear a set of their music and I I understand how like for example the blues is meant to work, right? You go there to feel better, right? Cuz your your own life is sad. You hear somebody else struggling. Right? So you hear the same you let you know you're in the same situation. But I I spend a lot of time with songwriters, like Americana, folky mm-hmm. songwriters, and it's a sad, depressing bunch. So to me, I've consciously made the decision that that my own life has enough trauma and tragedy and sadness. I mean, whose doesn't, right? You know what There's I found there. So I said I'm going to write songs that make people feel fun and, and and laugh and happy. And honestly, I think and, and and sometimes it's hurt my career because I I often get the feeling that people find me as a comedian or or as like a joke songwriter and treat me less seriously. They don't. They don't treat okay. my songs the way you treated them, which is right. very respectful and, and intellectually, you know, engaging. I feel a lot of audiences they laugh at the jokes, and then they just kind of leave it on the table. They don't take it home with them because once once you tell you're a joke, thinking that you're saying that there might not be an emotional connection to the song, perhaps, yeah. or be like once you once you've heard a joke, it loses its efficacy. Right, like it's no longer as you know, it's no longer as funny. You've heard it once, exactly. Even if I am using humor as my vehicle, you know what I mean. Like I'm using humor to convey my truth, but I don't want to be perceived as as you know. I want to be the George Carlin of comics, that's right? A, where 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 that's a that's a tall yeah exactly. Uh, like you know, I, I I want to be you know that I want to be the guy that tells you the the truth and it's dirty and it's nasty and we don't want to hear it, but it makes you laugh. I want to be that in the singer songwriter world, the George Carlin of. Do you feel that singer-songwriter. that singer songwriter <laughs> Americana world is? 
it's become a bastion just for the same. It's become, as you call it, an echo chamber for itself. Yeah, sad bastard music. Yeah. And I, I appreciate sad bastard music. I like Jason Isbell just as much as anybody else does. You know, is there but, is there a space for anyone who's not that? Yeah, I mean, there are some. Like, like if you think about like you know Tom Paxton, like who's like, you know, a stalwart of the folk scene. I mean, he played on stage with you know, mm-hmm. with people that would boggle your mind, Dylan and all the rest of them. Like, th- there's that. He tells humorful, beautiful, funny stories. You know, Dan Byrne is another guy that does that. He's he played around this area too a lot. Um, tours you know internationally fantastic there are artists that do it yeah i'm not trailblazing i want to be like them you know what i mean i i but like i said i, I mean this and this is that moment I'm, this is my candid moment do i feel that sometimes the humor takes mm-hmm. the forefront yes I, I worry about that i've learned the hard way that if you kind of promote a record and and push the the joke element of it it will be trivialized. People won't appreciate it for what it is musically or won't appreciate it for what it is artistically. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a funny, weird line that I walk, Bill, and, and, and I'm trying to figure it out, you know, and, and I struggle with it, man. And, and that's, for me, the more important thing. Like, I, that's the other thing, I mean, like, with a lot of the, my songwriter friends, that they, they project success, you know what I mean? And I'm not criticizing anybody specifically, but I am incapable as a person of projecting success. Unless what I, does that mean? What does that mean to like, project success? So if you don't have true success, you project it. So it's you're the, saying the fake it till you make it. I have a real hard time. For some people, that works like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I know it's like a, a mantra for the for the AA movement. You know, like you just you get through, you get by. Right. You, to me, I have a really hard time telling you that things are beautiful when they're not. You know what I mean? Or or implying to you that I'm successful when I'm not. You know, if I don't sell out a room. I take it to heart, you know what I mean? Whereas other friends will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll crop the, the, the picture <laughs> so that you see the three people in the front yeah. row. And then it's, it appears that they're doing really well. Or they're like, I've got a huge announcement. Huge announcement coming in three days. You know, I'm going to tell you this huge announcement. And two new days. You know, they, they hype it up, right? Yeah. And the hype is their, their new tour. Where it's like, to me, it's like, where is the real success here? Is it the projection of it? Or the actual experience. To me, I'm far more interested in the actual experience of it. And I know sometimes they have to go together. But I, as a person, one of my shortcomings is the incapability mm-hmm. of projecting something that I don't feel is real. And, and I have a hard time, man, putting that out there. You know? and, 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 you know, people come up to me and ask me, you know, you know how's the career going? I, I am brutally honest. Right. It strikes in gutters to quote, you know, Jeff right. Lebowski, you right. know what I mean? It's yeah, it's yeah. it's ups and downs, man. I, I have my that's, small that's successes anywhere. Have, that's everywhere, right? And if but you're in the not, music world, I feel like it's it's so oh, you overhype the success part and you undersell the failure part. All my fears bring all these tears, fears 
like I can never win, but then I grin. Cause you don't ever give me cause to work. Show me every day your love is true. I know I'm too often in a hurry, and I don't say I love you. Do you feel that most of that is due to a environment where appearances are valued more than the actual the actual product i guess perhaps yeah i mean and i don't mean to fault anyone who ha- who does that method it what what i think some of that method is is really truly like having confidence in something that's still in, in its way in its way of building me i'm i'm the kind of guy it's like and for this is i've had a recent conversation on another podcast about about this like the notion of crowd funding mm-hmm. right like crowdsourcing the funds for your new record and I told the, the, the interviewer and I'm going to tell you the same thing is that I have a real hard time for asking money from you to support what could be a terrible record it might turn out horrible Yeah. if, if it turns out horrible now you've supported something that is not good Right. so for me I want, I want, to, I want to sell the real success I want to tell you that I don't know how it's going to go in the studio. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'll tell you at the end, when I release this record, I'm telling you I'm happy with it. And that's taken me some time to get to, to be happy with my recordings and stuff. And the most recent ones have been that way. I've been happiest with them. You know, and I think that trend's going to continue, I'm hoping. But um, that, that striving, right, is, is part of the process. If I tell you I'm going to sell you something great before I even have the product, it short circuits something for me. Like it, it doesn't let me go through that that striving. It, it and it also feels false in certain ways. I'm selling you something I don't know what it sounds like. But when I say to you, my my recent record bill sounds sounds fantastic. And if you spend ten ten dollars on it, you're gonna feel good about it. I'm gonna feel good about it. I feel like I sold you something of quality because the success is already there. It's on those mm-hmm. those. It's you know it's imprinted onto that CD. You know what I mean? It's waiting to be read. The success is there. Just to lesser and greater degrees, right? Like, you know, if I'm pleased with it, this is what I think it's worth, you know? And in that way, you know, I, I try to be as extremely, like, I, and I fall back to that same word, candor, man, candidness. The, 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 the notion of being honest to a fault. And, and that is problematic, you know, at times, interpersonally, you know what I mean? I, I know my wife and I used to go, go, you know, rounds about whether or not it's okay to be slightly dishonest or to be brutally <laughs> honest and and she's like you know it's it's i'm happy for the honesty but sometimes it doesn't need to be so brutal so bill i'm i'm, I'm going to tell you there is fault in my game too i probably should be a little bit more willing to to project success everyone you know everyone has Everyone, no one's perfect, and everyone has their ups and downs, right? I think it's kind of uh, disingenuous to imply that people don't. But when it comes to success, I think success is uh, success is more akin to a lifetime batting average than it is to having doing a great season, right? You yeah, know, one good season here and there. I mean, yeah. Look at the current situation. Yeah. Right? We, you know, like, <laughs> do we need to talk about the Phillies right now? I mean, like, we, we can go that route if we want to. But what I'm saying is, like, you know, the projection of success, yeah. right? Let's get somebody who is. You know they're gonna they're the projection yeah. of what we perceive to as be success, success. Yeah. and now look at the team. Yep, look at the team.
Dude, they just brought us a beer. What, what is, what's so, the deal here, man? So, Jolly Roger, Jason Ager. That's right, man. He's telling me the <laughs> truth about humor, success. Trying to. And, uh, yeah, we got Kiss Off IPA over here. Awesome. This beer. Tell me about it, yeah. This beer is, uh, obviously, it's an IPA. Now, it's not going to be like one of your old school IPAs that you yeah, get. Yeah, which I profess to love uh, to you. Out of Halifax, we talk, correct. We started talking about IPAs before the show, ladies we and gentlemen. Did. And I, I confess my absolute undying love for Alexander Keith's India Pale Ale. Which is a, a brew that's pretty much only available in, yeah. Yeah, in Canada and you know parts of the Northeast. It's hard to get a hold of it in the States, anyways. But that was like the traditional pale ale, India pale ale, because of the hops that they were getting right. from India. It was it was that whole. Well, it was the uh, it was a, a a style that was less it was hot, more hop forward than the styles of today, but less hop forward than we would appear or we Precisely. would anticipate. Uh, for a pale ale these days. Precisely. So this guy right here, this is our first IPA, Kiss Off IPA. And you'll notice it's not that bitter. And IPAs in general were not overly bitter until America started coming up with the craft beer movement right. in the last 10, 15 years. Um, they're usually more balanced, but they had a lot more hops. Smells great. Is that Yeah, so it has a nice floral and citrus character yeah, on the nose, a, right? A nice bouquet. Yeah, why don't you tell me about this beer? What are you getting there? I have a little, I'm, I'm still sampling I get a little citrusy, like you like you were mentioning. Very, yeah. I'm still I'm still enjoying the aroma, but you know, I I enjoy. For me, I have a large nose, so when I drink something, I smell a lot. He of has it, his you know nose I mean? right I, in the I, beer. I really, you know, it's, it's really... like part of the thing. For me, it's like really, you know, you got to get your nose in there, get a little foam on your nose, you know, kind of kind of enjoy that moment, right? That's what beer's for, right? Enjoyment of life, right? Didn't somebody say it was somewhere in the Porch Almanac that? Beer's proof that God wants no, us to be happy. No, he says uh, alcohol. And he was, oh, yeah. So I don't know how in Philadelphia we have signs all over the place, beer's proof, blah, blah, blah. But no, it's, it's not even misinterpreted. It was in English. Ooh, but that's just, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is far smoother than, than many of the IPAs that I come across on my travels. This is, a, this is one it's of my smooth. favorite IPAs. It's and I'm not smooth. just saying that as being someone from Round Guys. This, this IPA is just a really enjoyable beer. It's no, got, it's, it's, I think it's very excellent. It's closer, it's more akin to the styles you're talking about. The yeah. original approaches to an IPA, which, again, are hoppier beers, but they're not right. hop bombs. That's yeah. an American forward tradition that we've right. started in the past 15, 20 yeah, years. Yeah, it just does not have that. It doesn't no. maybe want to pucker as soon as I, no. you know, as soon no, as no, I get no. a little sip of it. No, this, this is enjoyable. Uh, I call it a, uh, it's a mild, to me, it's a mildly bitter IPA, bitter yeah. just enough to create an I to get to the but IPA. The bitter status. for me is on, I mean, this, this is my palate, and I don't have the, the world's best beer palate. I, I will acknowledge that. But for me, the, the, the bitterness is kind of in the aftertaste. You know what I mean? It's kind of there a, is bitterness a in a little in a tiny, right. yeah, exactly. So for, you know, for, for, for many people, you know, you can get it up front on some beers where it's like you had that initial. Because of the way the hop, the way it's hopped, right? You know what I mean. You get that kind of really bitter upfront. You know, like you're drinking coffee or something. It's what I like that. what I love about this beer and about many really well done IPAs isn't a bitterness. It's more of just that raw, uh, the hop floralness, like the uh, the raw hopness on the back, the flavor itself, yeah, the resiny character. You're getting out of that hop. The in this case, it's a very very. Uh, orangey citrus type character with very much floralness, so. and it, just having that character in the back is really what no, I enjoy about. I think it's so. excellent, and I'm I, like I said, I, I enjoy I enjoy the traditional. Yep, and this 
kind of falls into that, it, yeah. closer it's, to that anyways. It's, it's definitely closer. It's, it, it kind of bucks the trend that we have here in the States yeah. where every IPA has to be hit like over it. the head, beat you over the head. And, you know, like it, com- it comes from us not being really – we're not those kind of IPA fans. Right. We, we like tasting a beer, enjoying a beer, and being right. able to taste the next beer. You're not concerned with the IBU, whatever nah, it is. You know? No, I mean, <laughs> you know, the beer geeks can enjoy it. We have beers out there that will to push we'll those, push those. Yeah. but for the most part, our core beers – they're just going to be balanced beers. They're going to be really well-made, drinkable the, beers. the aroma is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's one of uh, our favorite ones here. I think my model will even give it a shot. So. <laughs> Jason, I want to thank you for coming on to the Original yeah, Slacker Podcast. It, it's really interesting hearing about – I've always been curious about a point that you hit when it comes to humor and to Americana – and personally, it was something I've thought about in the past, and I've always wondered how how come it's always such a a tear fest, right? right? <laughs> Go see singer songwriters. Not yeah. like many of these singer songwriters that come through. That's not yeah. me saying that they're not. They're really passionate. And they really put a lot of heart yeah. into everything. But uh, yeah, let's lighten things up a little bit. Um, yeah. When <laughs> Once you're, in a while, so I'll be, I'm glad to be that different one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I found is uh, people who. People who truly have had a hard in life are very funny. Mm. And people who think they've had a hard in life are very depressed and mm. and they, they get very emotional about things. Um, and I think that's like a self-healing mechanism that's right. going on there. Those people just, they've hit their threshold. Yeah. And, I, I, I can't you know, claim too much right. personal horrible tragedy, but, but I think I come from a long line of survivors. You know what yeah. I mean? And... Uh, my, I give my my hats off to them. Cheers to them right. for making me the the you know the hardened hound that I am. <laughs> well, thank you again, uh, everyone out there. The original Slacker Podcast is presented by Round Guys Brewing Company. You can find out more about this podcast. Subscribe Apple, Google Play, Spotify. Find our Spotify playlist. You can find the original Slacker or the Underground on Spotify. You can also find out more about Round Guys Brewing Company, roundguysbrewery.com, or check out. Uh, this the page for upcoming shows for the underground undergroundlandstyle.com jason thanks one more time man thanks for coming on i want to thank Mamata tharima for doing some excellent sound editing here thank you and uh, sound engineering really uh she's done such a wonderful job and i really appreciate everything she's done here and of course it's me bill signing off and I look forward to hearing from you guys in the upcoming weeks thank you Get the answers.
hospital gunning. Don't we lie till we long in the tomb. Don't we tell Google the truth. Live and we preach to the choir. Yeah, we lie like our pants is on fire. Well, we lie like we're still in our youth. Don't we tell Google the truth. St. Paul on the map it was lost Guess that's why we don't hesitate When we search for answers on masturbate When you need to enumerate ways to kill your boss Thank heaven there's a place we can go To get the We lie by our manic depression. We lie in the confession booth, but we tell Google the truth. We lie to our mothers and fathers. Honestly, honesty's such a bother. Yeah, we lie to ourselves. What's the use? We lie to ourselves. What's the Tell Google the truth.